unbelievers are watching your life. They're not watching what you say. They're watching your results in your life. Welcome. This is Life in Faith Chats. If you are a subscriber, a supporter, an encourager, just a friend stopping by, welcome. This is where God has destined for you so you can learn about his love and his purpose for your life. So today we're going to welcome someone who is an executive producer and co-host of Relevant, The Word Works. It's a biblically backed talk show. She's an award-winning filmmaker, a playwright, a poet, a singer. She's a published author. And she also has a poem called The Birthday Wish that was translated into nine languages. Her name is Karima Imorti. Karima was born and raised as a Muslim who converted to Christianity. Her story is a powerful testimony of God's pursuit of a woman who didn't want or need their Jesus. She just wanted to go to heaven. Friends, please help me welcome Karima on Life and Faith Chats. Thank you so much, Joy. It's always interesting hearing your bio, bread because you think about what's went into you becoming the person that God wanted you to become. And I'm so happy to be on this chat because your chats are awesome. Um, you do awesome, awesome, awesome interviews. You've also helped me on some of them, like I've told you before. Um, I'm, I'm honored to be here. I'm grateful that God has put you on this path because you're going to help a lot of people. And I'm really, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of your story. I'm glad to be a part of this story that God is doing in, the, in this season. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for blessing me. Thank I am going to be asking you questions that I'm sure my friends want to hear. The question is, but hold on, is what made you, this very accomplished woman, who didn't want a need Jesus convert to Christianity and become a follower of Christ? But don't answer us yet. <laughs> We're going to, I want to find out some information. So if you could please explain to me what it is is or what it was to be a Muslim? What are just a few of the core beliefs? Well, um, that's interesting because when I, you know, the question is, is kind of twofold because I had core beliefs um, as a member of the Nation of Islam, which I was born into. And then we have a different set of core beliefs as I came into um, it, true Islam or the Islam that's practiced in the East. Um, with you know Arab uh, Muslims or the more um, the, the more uh, is it more popular or the more the more widespread Islam community the uh, nation of Islam was a smaller sect if you will and then there's the widespread you know what you would global Islam and so as a nation of Islam member and then which was started by Master Farah Muhammad and most notably known by honor, um, um, the honor Elijah Muhammad and then Brother Minister Farrakhan that particular aspect of Islam was more black nationalism. It was a little bit of all religions to be perfectly honest. Um, that's what was called the nation of Islam because they had a little bit of, you know, there was even Christianity in there some ways that I think about it. 
it was more like, you know, the things that we would talk about growing up, it was more like black empowerment. I remember we had these things called the actual facts that we had to recite every day before school because I went to Muslim schools as well, the Nation of Islam Muslim school. And I remember the first one, I am the man, a, a man, an Asiatic black man, the maker, the owner, cream of the planet of God of the universe. And it was 12 actual facts that we that we had memorized. I don't remember them anymore, but that was the first one that I haven't forgot it. And so those beliefs were that, and it would say, you know, it's more black empowerment. Every Everything we were taught were more about standing together as a black race, um, loving your skin. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, in our culture and particularly in black communities, being lighter skin was always looked to be more advantageous. But in the nation of Islam, the darker you were, the better you were treated. It was really different because they took all the things from the um, you know, the cultural aspects of being a black person and made it into a religion, things that we couldn't eat white sugar. I remember we, we could only eat um, brown sugar. We didn't eat white bread. We only ate brown bread. We didn't use white flour. We only used white wheat flour. So we had all these things that we did that were, they were exterior um, identifiers that can't really change you internally. You know, they can help, they, they have their place but as we know, it's only what you would change inside that reflects on the outside. And so we did a lot of external polishing, but in a lot of ways it was very good because it helped you feel pride about yourself. And so in that season, I understood why so many black people wanted to come together. We had our own businesses, we had our own farms, we had our own stores. And so pretty, we were pretty insular. And I really didn't go outside of the Islamic community for anything, to be honest. We, you know, we had farm stores, everything. So in that aspect, I think it was really good because you should, as a community, as a culture, um, develop yourself economically, financially, uh, culturally, because it helps. But what I understand now as a follower of Christ, that nothing that you do on the outside works. You know, Christ talks about it is the man that's inside that changes you, not the, the outside person. And so that was part of the nation of Islam, but at nine years old or 10, my family, when the nation of Islam split, and I won't go into that long story, but they split and there are people that stay with the um, nation of Islam. And then what those that went with uh, quote unquote, true Islam, um, the Islam that's practiced widespread. You know, I always say it's true as a face false religion can be, you know, so that was the true piece of Islam. We moved to that and that we started to uh, learn the attributes of the Quran and that. So for most people, they will understand that side of it or at least have a, a, a glimpse in the mainstay of the Quran, the Holy Quran and the uh, practice of Islam. That is the right praise practice is that Jesus is not the son of God. It says over over in the Quran that he begots nor is he begotten, meaning God is not begotten nor is he begotten, which is directly in opposition to us saying that Jesus is the son of God as Christians. So, I mean, every and I didn't recognize how much I have been programmed to uh, disavowed Jesus because it also says that Jesus was only a prophet and we recognize him as a prophet, but and that he was coming back, but he was not a man. So like I said, over and over in the Quran, you say he begot noise to be gotten, which is in direct um, uh, opposition to the reality that Jesus is the son of God. So those are the two main differences in the Islamic religion as practiced widespread in Christianity, which is the crux of everything if you don't believe jesus is the son of god you can't be a christian that's kind of you know so i hope that i hope i kind of broke that down you, you did you did 
I wanted to stop you because you were given so much information, but it was very, very good information. You went into several of my questions because my question was, what is the nation of Islam? You answered that. And then I had another question for you. What did you know about Jesus and why weren't you interested? And you answered that. So, so you said that Jesus is a prophet. He's recognized as a prophet and as coming back. Yes, that he's coming back, but more like a raised from the dead, but not. Not that he is deity. Yes, okay. he is definitely is. But yeah, he talks about him at East, and he, he actually says Jesus is a man and a prophet. It's like it's it takes the enemy took a lot of time to ensure that we said everything he could to diminish the deity and the fact that Jesus is Lord in the Quran. I didn't recognize that as a Muslim, of course, because I hadn't read the Bible. Okay. But in reading the Bible, I realized how systematic and how strategic it was to 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 deny Jesus' deity all throughout the Quran. Okay. And, and the Bible tells us that any one, any spirit that denies that Jesus is the son of God or Christ is, is That's no part with him. So we know that. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. So thank you. Thank you. All right. So now I know why you weren't interested in Jesus. What events or steps led you to converting to Christianity after growing up in this? Um, yeah. Um, and did you convert as an adult? What what led you to being interested? Okay, I've been Christian now. Um, it'll be eleven years in November, so I've been my, you know most of my life as a Muslim, uh, practicing Muslim. Um, I wasn't looking for Christ. I was looking for heaven, and then God and my desire to be in heaven showed me the only way to get there. And that's why I always say something that's a very big platform for me is the power of your words and what you say. Because I understand that my words and my belief and my desire, you know, God says those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. I hungered and thirsted after a God I didn't know, didn't understand and didn't want. But God knew what I needed to answer the prayers of the words that I spoke. So I basically spoke him into my life. It took a while, but I would always say I got to go to heaven. I lived my life in a way that I felt would get me to heaven, even though as a Muslim, but the things I would say, I need to go to heaven. I, I do people. Why do you do certain things the way you do? Why do you give? Why do you try to be you know, kind? Why do you try to help people? Well, I got to go to heaven. That was just like, and I knew in the, in the Islamic faith that it's but based on deeds and works. If you're the, the deeds of your left hand outweigh your right hand, meaning if you have good deeds that outweigh your bad deeds, then you get to go to heaven. And so I'm always trying to, in the back of my mind, I got to make sure I do good because I need to be in heaven. And that was important to me. Because who wanted to spend an eternity in hell? Whatever. <laughs> I mean, no one, I don't, I can't imagine you wanting to be in hell. And that was important to me. And, and so I wasn't looking for Christ. I was looking for peace at the time that Christ found me. And so I recognized that, that, that saying that God will come after you, you know, he goes after the 99, he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. I was the prodigal child that he was going after, though I didn't know I was a prodigal child because I was in a completely different faith. But I was a prodigal child for him because I wasn't with him and didn't recognize I wasn't with him. So at the time when I converted, it wasn't a, oh, I'm just going to start looking for God. It's like I was at this Kairos moment in my life that I was looking for something to give me peace. I had the, what the world considers success. I said, I had the six figures, have been making a long time, 
have the career, have the stature, all those things that the world tells you are what you need to feel successful and accomplished, particularly as an African-American woman. You know, I was doing really well. So I had all the accoutrements of success, but was miserable, suicidal, and all those things that go along with not having inner peace. I had no peace. I was at the time when I had my moment that I had my Damascus moment. I did have a Damascus moment as Paul did. Um, I was, you know, working high profile job, making more money I've ever made in my life, doing really well. And I was coming home every day um, in panic and afraid to go to sleep because I was having panic attacks and anxiety and depression and calling the ambulance to take me to the hospital because I was feeling like I was dying, was afraid, literally afraid to go to sleep. And nothing, they would take me to the hospital, you're fine. They would take me to the worst room, there's nothing wrong with me. Uh, then eventually they're like, well, you probably need to go see someone. And I was, you know, in that kind of black woman lie trap that you don't need therapy. I was still there. I'm, I'm past that now. All that therapy is okay. Um, but at that point, I was like, oh, I don't need to be a therapist. I'm not crazy. There's nothing wrong with me. You know, that kind of, you know, I got it all together. I figured this out, you know. And so when I had that moment in my life, when I was just miserable, I was starting to get physical symptoms, real physical symptoms from the panic and anxiety and this the level of stress I I was up under by not sleeping and being in fear. I was starting to have extremely horrible ulcers. It got to a point that I couldn't even drink water because I, I was just in so much pain. I was mentally in pain, physically in pain, emotionally in pain. And at several moments in that during that period, I actually wanted to end my life. I didn't want to live anymore. And the only thing that stopped me, I believe, was that I knew that I would go straight to hell if I killed myself. Because that's part of the Quran as well. And I, I did. I wanted to go to heaven. And so it was literally. But at one point, it was a couple of really dark moments when I felt like, you know, even hell is better than this. Not knowing, you know, that that was a, that was a trick of the enemy trying to get me to go ahead and do it so he can get rid of me because he know what God was going to do with me. So fast forward to that season in my life. And I'm just like I had a friend of mine who was a Christian who lived in a condo and uh, we lived in these beautiful condos and she had the one over top of me and she was a Christian and we worked for the same company. We worked for different, non different arms of the Whirlpool Corporation, nonprofit arms. I was in the education and she was in the community development. And um, I would watch her say things like, I'm going to make the enemy my footstool. Or when she would go up against challenges and anybody who does community development work, when you work in different um, you know, ethnicities and trying to bring people together to do things for the community, it's a lot of, uh, ethnic, racial, a lot of things you deal with with communities, especially in communities that are that poor people or people that are, you know, lower income with higher income. There's always this clash. There's always drama. I didn't want that was her area of expertise. Mine was in education. And so she would say things that, you know, I would see things that would happen because I would have to go to different meetings with her. And she, oh, I would just make them my footstool. I'm going to pray that off of me. Don't worry about it. I just, I'm going to love. Her. I said, how can you treat them so nice? Well, God tells me to love my enemies. They don't want me to do it. I let God fight that battle for me. He got it. And I will watch her over and over again, speak things. And they literally, things that would be so contentious and it just like, it just would just dematerialize. It would just be like nothing. We'd come back the next day or she'd get this horrible email for somebody and she would pray the next day. They would send her some loving email. I'm like, what the heck? I would never say it to her, but I'm thinking, how does that happen? And I start calling her the Teflon Don after that mobster in New York who had no, no charges could stick. And I used to call her Teflon because, girl, I don't care. I don't know what they would throw against her. It would just 
not happen. And she would talk about prayer. And see, I didn't understand prayer from that way because that's not how we function with prayer um, as a Muslim. But you were doing you were doing good works. I have to stop you. <laughs> this, 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 this is so good. And, and I don't want to, but friends, you know that I have a tendency of doing this. And why do I do this? Because I want you to really listen and think about and meditate on my guests, share life so that we walk in the purpose that God has for us. Friends, guess what you have to do? Yep. You've got to come back. And of course you want to come back because you want to hear the rest of Karima's story. How did she go from being a practicing Muslim to a believer in Jesus Christ? Remember, she wasn't looking for him. So you need to come back. Thank you for joining us for now. Thank you for liking, for subscribing, for sharing. And when you come back, do us both a favor. Bring a friend with you, please. Thank you. Peace.